What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is there a library, a bookstore around here where I could books on rock and roll? Rock and roll. Oh, it's true. Wait, have you read this one? Read this one. This is a story that needs to be told. Please, rock and roll, want something to read. Hey folks, Christian Swain here. I'd like to talk a bit about our project and about you. The Rock and Roll Archaeology Project is currently four podcasts. Our main show, we think of it as a Rock and Roll 101, we will eventually do about 30 of these scripted, carefully researched audio documentaries. And we have the Rock and Roll Librarian, where Shelley Sorensen and I have lively fun discussions about books that rock. The discussions continue with Rock Talk, a weekly survey of rock and roll news with my co-host, Peter Ferrioli. And we just rolled out Deeper Digs in Rock, single topic shows, interviews, and field trips. All we want to do now is more of it more often. And that's where you come in. Our shows will always be free. That's our promise to you. If you truly enjoy it, if you can't wait for that next episode, well, won't you please make a modest monthly donation via Patreon. Just click the Patreon link right at the top of our webpage, rockandrollarchaeology.com, and take it from there. Thank you, and keep up the rockin'. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project's Rock and Roll Librarian. With me, as always, is San Francisco Public Librarian, Shelly Sorensen. Hey, Shelly, how you doing? I'm doing good. I love the way you introduce me. You make me sound like a famous person. You are famous. Yeah, relatively speaking. That's Pe- right. Famous people don't relative. recognize me on the street yet, though. Yeah. You know, I got recognized at a concert last week. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you it can mobbed? happen. Okay. Someday. No, uh, I didn't get mobbed. Not yet. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But I did. Uh, literally, somebody came up and said, hey, are you Christian Swain from <laughs> Tin Man and the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project? And yeah, it was amazing. Cool. Yeah, at yeah. a concert. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. All right, all right. Enough <laughs> of me, enough of fame, <laughs> existentialism. <laughs> Our place in the universe. Okay. What do you have for us this week, Shelley? What are we going to uh, get dive into? Well, I have Cindy Lauper's memoir. Cindy Lauper, yeah. a memoir. Yes. Really? Yeah, it was really good. Really fun to read. Oh, that's good. Okay. You know what my thoughts are about her? About her? Um, <laughs> I think so, but... What are they? <laughs> you like her? She's so unusual. Uh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> uh, and you know what else? She wants to have fun. Girls just want to have fun. That's right. I know I do.
Okay, that just put a big smile on my face. It's a happy song. She is really... I, hey, look, I love her. I've always loved her. Uh, I thought that, you know, where the heck did this thing come from uh, <laughs> when she showed up on MTV? Because that's, you know, what really got her famous. And, you know, it's funny. You hear that song and you go, oh, man, that, that has one hit wonder written all over it. But, you know, now we're talking about a, a woman who's had a, you know, 40 plus year career uh, and she's did it her way right she did and uh, the thing I really like about her is she's uh, she just is a super creative uh, woman musician and artist and she just you know has yeah, her feminist vision. icon hmm? feminist icon yes and she has she had her vision all through time and you know just a free spirit and had to fight against a lot of people trying to you know put their opinions and their ideas on her do you mean mostly men Yes, of course. definitely. Especially and at that time. This is a great story about what a woman has to do to make it in the rock and roll business. Yeah, not easy. Uh, no. Not today. Um, uh, maybe a little bit easier today because of trailblazers like uh, like Cindy like Lauper. Like her, yeah. 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 All right, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how she got to be, you know, a household name. Uh, I, I do know that she kind of came at, uh, you know, this game or at least the fame side of it uh, a little bit later in life than than a lot of artists. So uh, let's talk about uh, her and uh, where she came from. Definitely. Uh, she was born in Queens and, and grew up in Queens. She's very, from Queens? I yeah. never would have guessed that from her <laughs> she's accent. Got that, yeah, she's got the definite, uh, she never lost that accent, that's for sure. Oh no, I think she plays it up. Yeah, she likes it. Yeah. Um, yeah, she she had a very, very modest, you know, poor uh, childhood and uh, lived with her mom, her sister, single mom, and brother. Right? Yeah, well, no, she was actually remarried at that point, and uh, the stepfather was a uh. real creep. Uh, peeping Tom uh, looked at her through the bathroom door while she was taking a bath, and and beat her mother and threatened her mom with harm to the daughters if she, you know, stepped out of line. So, um, Cindy got out of there as soon as she could. Well, she, when she was 17, she um, she left high school mm-hmm. and she left home and went to live with her sister and started out her life that way. But, you know, before she moved out, she had all of these female relatives, you know, they were Italian and her Sicilian grandparents lived upstairs. And she knew all these stories about women who had hopes and dreams, such as her mom, who was a singer and wanted to study voice, but her parents wouldn't let her because... Women she, didn't do that sort of yeah, thing. Or proper Italian Catholic girls to, didn't do that yeah, sort of thing. Right. And she would have had to go into Manhattan, which, you know, oh. nice young ladies didn't do. So, no, not by themselves. Yeah, so, you know, she just saw these women's dreams being squashed and uh, really felt like that wasn't going to happen to her. No, and uh, apparently it didn't. It did not. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. So she went out and just was trying to make a living, basically, and, you know, working odd jobs, but she couldn't, she wasn't really a very good employee. She wasn't good at any any menial jobs that were around. And she, she just always loved singing. And actually, her grandmother being from an Italian family, you know, was always encouraged to sing because opera was a really big thing in their family. And uh, so, you know, she, it wasn't like she didn't get encouragement um, from her family, 
but um, she didn't get up, obviously any financial support because they were poor. And uh, she, there's a funny story about. Well, let, how, let's say it right mm-hmm, here. I mean, yeah. she's got a great voice. I oh mean, my god! Uh, a- you know, that, even though you that first song, you know, like I said, it kind of has one hit wonder written all over it. You know, you can still hear the quality of her voice. And as time goes on, and you, you know, she she exposes it, you 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 get to see that you know she's a world class talent. Yeah, she's she's um, got a huge range, and yeah, as octaves, time went on and she matured, of course, she she could use her voice in any way she wants to. Now she she can express incredible emotion. You know, she can go to you know heights and. You know, she can sing any genre that she wants to sing. Yeah, she's done a lot of that through her career, and we'll get to that. Yeah. So, so she leaves home uh, because of a creepy stepdad. She's got a little bit of a of a background uh, in uh, in singing, and I would assume she went and chased uh, the record machine. She did, but she she first she had to she went to. Um, art school for example she she busked and panhandled on the streets of New York City she she took a bus to Canada and backpacked on her own i mean she did a lot of really kind of ballsy things you know just to just to stay mm-hmm. alive but at one point she somebody heard her sing you know she always loved to sing and she would sing whether people liked it or not <laughs> I know the feeling. Love to hear. Yeah, she just she just didn't care what other people thought. She it made her feel good to sing, which I totally understand. Um, But she somebody mentioned to her that they thought she had a professional voice at one point, so she decided to start auditioning for Mm -hmm. bands. And uh, she went out and auditioned for cover bands. And one of the songs that she sang was "I've Got to Use My Imagination," Gladys Knight and the Pips. And she came into the audition. um, They started playing it in the in a higher key than she'd been practicing it in and uh, she she didn't have time to stop them and she just kept singing and this huge powerful sound came out of her and she said nobody was more surprised than me I didn't know I could sing like that and so she got the job so that was really cool but um but the band I don't think uh, she's ever recorded that song uh, I don't think so. I mean, she may have done it in concert, but I haven't seen it on any of her um, Well, just to give the folks a flavor, albums. let's play a little of uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips. crap is she saying it higher than that yeah wow <laughs> that's yeah. a feat yeah go gladys <laughs> go cindy yeah no oh, gladys is yeah. amazing good influences definitely that band uh she doesn't even name the name of the band because something horrible happened to her in that band oh, I... yeah just a sordid story and it you know and, and actually the, interestingly just to show her grit she did not quit that band after that she decided she wasn't going to let them break her or force her out and she just stuck with it stuck mm. with it yeah and it's just a good a good example of where you know where she was like not hey fuck you i'm not i'm not taking that just you know i'm i'm staying no uh that guy wouldn't be able to get away with that today thank no. thankfully yeah all right so uh, i know she ends up in a band that does get signed by polydor blue angel 
That's right. Yeah, there was one other small band in there that called mm-hmm. Flyer. So she was with them for a while. So she she really put in her time in the lower regions, and she actually had to work a worked as a topless go-go dancer for a little while there, so that she could buy a monitor, so that she could hear herself sing because she was losing her voice screaming on stage. Well, I, I've done not quite a topless dancer, but I've done some things to get musical <laughs> equipment. I I totally understand. Oh, oh I was gonna when you started that <laughs> sentence, I was gonna go like, wait, there's something about you i don't know (laughs) that would be a little different though chip and dale yeah and then (laughs) (laughs) all right so she could uh so anyway she she left that band too and went into and the met blue angel the the, somebody with blue angel john turry the saxophone uh, player right isn't that who kind of put it together that sounds right Blue Angel. Yeah, they got signed by Polydor in 1980. And that her idea around that was kind of a rockabilly pop, rockabilly new wave yeah, sound. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. about the time the, you know, the blasters are kind of doing their thing. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah that's true. I can see that being yeah. an influence. So, all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if I, I think I don't find any uh, Blue Angel music around. So, uh, obviously, uh, Polydor has not released it on uh, Spotify. But uh, I know she did record a song that was on that album called maybe he'll know okay (laughs) (laughs) i I don't know shall we play it maybe Maybe not maybe Maybe. maybe he will and maybe he won't let's play a little (laughs) sure (laughs) maybe he'll know just so people can get a flavor of what she was doing prior to uh what everybody knows uh cindy for Maybe I can see why Blue Angel didn't make it. I mean, it's okay. It sounds it sounds much more like you know from She's So Unusual. Uh, there's no two ways about that. But uh, yeah. uh, you know, um, uh, you know, at least she got a little bit of experience. So uh, I take it Blue Angel breaks up, and she goes solo. She did. Um, she actually. Polydor, the label, wanted her to be a balladeer, and they were always trying to get her away from the band anyway, um, and they wanted to uh, fashion her into a, a Barbara Streisand, uh, and she I, said... I could see, I could see why that yeah. might be a, a thought. But she says, oh no, you can't do that, I'm a rocker. Why don't you make someone else into the next Streisand? And that was kind of the beginning, that was one of the examples of the beginning of her not knowing when to hold her tongue and how to talk to, you know, label execs and, you know, she was always just kind of saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. That's not a good idea. Yeah. She's very blunt Mm. and uh, no filter. That's that. She says that over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. No surprise. No surprise. Right. That's kind of the straight New York 
kind yeah. of talk. Uh, so so yeah. then uh, in 1984, um, she launches this, uh, you know, album that everybody knows and loves. She's so unusual. Girls Just Want to Have Fun is an MTV staple. Uh, yep. Overnight sensation. Although she's like 30 years old, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, she had met. Dave Wolf, who became her manager and boyfriend. Oh, he's in all the uh, the videos at that time, right? Yeah, she she made all of her videos, uh, especially in the beginning, because they didn't have much money. Uh, she just would get people that she knew. For example, the girls just want to have fun. Our video mom's in has movie too, right? yeah. her mother, yeah. and Captain her, Lou Albano, her brother. Yeah. Yep, her brother, the hairdressers at Vidal Sassoon that she that used to practice on her hair, and you know, just everybody that she knew was in that vi- that video. Uh, he he would only become her manager if she would go solo and lose, you know, not have the band uh, hanging around her neck. Good for him. So that's yeah, that's how that started, and. And um, yeah, she wanted to write, you know, something kind of with a reggae, punk, trashy, new wave feel. And I think she did it. But that was her vision. You know, she wanted it to have kind of a reggae sound, but also be kind of punk and new wave. She was quite um, taken with Elvis Costello and the Pretenders Uh and the Clash. And she knew that they didn't let labels push them around. You know, they had visions of what they wanted to do and they just did it. So that's what she was keeping in mind. Yeah, and then she wrote a song about masturbation. That's right. Shebop. about that she says she had it for a long time people didn't know what it was about uh, she she, that she liked I that i think we we kind well, of okay. i think i remember when i was told and i was like uh yeah, yeah that's what that song's about and uh wow that's amazing yeah i didn't notice it at the time because i don't i don't pay that much attention to lyrics you know if it has well, a not good, initially i would say i'm sure beat. in the end yeah. <laughs> yeah most people don't most people you know they listen to the the beat first and, and then they uh, might get into the melody and the solos and what have you and then uh you know they take their time and go oh <laughs> that's what that song's Wonder about what that's about well yeah I, I looked up the lyrics and i was like oh yeah that, that, that certainly seems to be right what it's and that's about. 1983 perfect for the right, age of Reagan. right yeah, and so as soon as apparently she went on, um, she went on some talk show with uh, Dr. Ruth. I'm sure uh, Dr. Ruth was all for it. Yeah, she she kind of spilled the beans. She didn't mean to because she wanted it to be kind of a a mixed mess, you know, a hidden message kind of thing, and not have it out there. But then it was put on some kind of stupid band uh, songs list by those concerned parents out oh, there. Oh, PMRC. That's probably yeah, not yeah. long. Yeah, PMRC yeah, was, that was in the what la- it was. latter half yeah. of the 80s, but I'm sure that mm-hmm. made it on there But because we don't want our girls masturbating. No, 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 no. That would be wrong. <laughs> we wouldn't want them to learn things about their own bodies. Uh, well, you know, that's uh, those days are over. 
<laughs> I hope. Well, well I hope we'll see. So. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. this day. Yeah, anyway, exactly. Uh, there is one other song that uh, really deserves a lot of attention from that album because it was a number one single. And, and I think it's the song that really shows her vocal prowess, her songwriting ability, uh, and really turns her into an international superstar. And that's uh, Time After Time. Yes, and her her emotional capacity right. too. Any, any uh, and, good tidbits on the, the making of that song? Well, she, she took the title from a movie. Apparently, there was a movie called Time oh, After yeah, Time with Steenbergen, Mary... Mary Steenbergen. Yeah. Oh, oh, it was yeah. the H.G. Wells uh, movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, she had, she loved that actress, and that title was just supposed to be a placeholder title for the song, but she couldn't get rid of the... <laughs> she couldn't shake it, so that well, was... Well, then the, the that muse was, made was it. speaking, because, uh, you know, right. like I said, number one hit and all. Yeah, I love all that right. song. Here's Time After Time. Yeah, that's just another scale here uh, compared to some of the other songs on that album. Yeah, the whole album shows her her range, yeah. I think, of what she's capable of. And there's a really, really good YouTube video of her uh, on, at a Patti LaBelle concert. She was pulled in to sing that song with Patti LaBelle, and it... It's really, my God, it's a tearjerker. Yeah, and uh, the song was written uh, with her and Rob Hyman from the Hooters. Uh, those of oh, you who remember yeah. the Hooters. Um, you know, that's that's just fantastic. She had, she had a couple other hits. I think Money Changes Everything is another one on there. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, four, five good songs, um, you know, right out the gate. That, uh, that definitely put her into a, another world. Yeah, so then, uh, and then she goes into yeah. professional wrestling, right? Yeah, she made a deal that um you know actually girls just want to have fun it didn't do well right out of the gate uh believe it or oh, not no, it, it was mtv so, that that turned that into a hit yeah so she made a deal with uh the wwe captain um, Lou Albano. brass to do cross promotion oh, uh-huh. so that they promoted her and they showed her videos during the WWE. Well, WWF at the time is what it was called. So that would have oh, been, you WWF. know, still uh, McMahon uh, right. was uh, was the, the owner and yes. still is the owner. We so. had a little period of time in my life, in my motherhood life of watching a lot of WWE. Oh, I actually yeah. went to one live you in did. San Diego. Yeah. Oh. That was actually pretty, pretty I've, fun. I've been to a couple of professional wrestling yeah. when I was when I was a kid. Uh-huh. I don't know. It always seemed a little. I, I just couldn't get oh, over the fact a, that it's, it's fake. funny, but it it fits her perfectly because yeah, she's yeah. got that that kind of like wacky. It's like a performance art thing. She's really she really was one of the first performance art type of musicians. Where yeah, she was living this twenty four seven. It's she, all a she thing. was out there. Yeah, yeah but yeah. the performances she put yeah. a lot into. You know what? How the stage looked and the colors and the set and her clothes and her hair, you know, it was all a part of that. So she did these funny shticks with uh, 
the wrestlers. In fact, there's a oh, funny. Oh, she was an original character. There was a funny YouTube video um, of her on David Letterman talking about Lou Albano and his his principles, the peg principles, politeness, etiquette, and good grooming. And it was a, a really funny interview because she really plays it straight. Well, you know, straight in oh, her yeah, way. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it seems like she believes everything yes, that she's... Oh, yes, this is very yeah, important. And yes. you know those wrestlers are good at grooming, too. Yes, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, hell, let's play a little of the David Letterman interview. Okay. Now, now, who plays your father in the in the videotape we saw? Oh, Captain Lou Albano. He's my personal advisor. Your personal advisor. Now, yes. now, who, who exactly, uh, who is Lou Al- Albano for you people? Don't, you don't know. Who well, Captain no, I know. Of course, I know. I'm just saying for people who might not know. No, you kidding? I know. <laughs> Good, because you know, Captain Lou would think that you are very peg, and Paul is very peg. He has grooming. You don't know what PEG is. PEG stands for politeness, etiquette, and grooming. And Captain Lou Albano, he came up with this thing. Uh-huh, but... This is principal. He's always the wrestling guy. He manages the wrestlers, all champions. He manages the wild Samoans. He manages the magnificent Morocco. And, you know, if you watch these guys, you could, you could tell right away from looking at the Samoans that they have grooming down. Uh-huh. And... and Heavy, heavy metal, rock and roll look, you know. Yeah, so she is pretty much um, on all the airwaves all the time. Yeah. She's everywhere. She totally blew up after this, after She's So Unusual. Yeah. Came out and she said, she, she talks about how that's, you know, when you're a musician and you're doing this, of course you want success. That's what you're working toward. But yeah. when it happens to you, you're not, nobody is prepared for it. You can't even imagine what it's like. And she said the weirdest thing was walking around and seeing all these little mini me's of her. You know, oh, like yeah. everybody looked like her. Yeah, and she there was said, either the, it was there, there were th- three types you could be at that time. You were either Madonna or you were Pat Benatar uh, or you were Cindy Lauper. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and the I- irony for her was that she was the misfit and the quirky one. Yeah. And now all of a sudden she's the norm. You know, it's like, that's the conservative way. All of right. these kids out there are like just putting on a costume and being, you know, being her instead of being themselves. Yeah, but, uh, you know, that's what teenagers do. Yeah. They emulate and uh, try to find themselves. And, yeah. you know, I, I doubt many of them, you know, continued to be Cindy Lauper into their 50s. Right. Although I'm sure there are a few. You know, she she was a, a role model. And the fact is, is she turned out to be a damn fine role model. She did. And she tells, a, she, I mean, all through the book, there's stories galore about, you know, the sexism and the rock and roll industry. And she tells one story about a famous rocker who she's not mentioning, who right before she they're going to go on stage, kind of humps her, you know, like brushes his dick up against her, you know, and she turns around and says... Hey, not for nothing, pal, but if you do that again, I'm going to have to punch your fucking heart out. (laughs) And, you know, and then he acts all like, oh, I'm so scared, Uh, you know, asshole. Uh, And, you know, she just, you know, had to deal with that as many women do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even today. Yes. We we all know that the rock and roll business is sexist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, you know, I at least he didn't grab her by the pussy. (laughs) 
That comes later, I believe. Yeah. We'll probably. get to that. Oh, folks. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> anyway, yeah. So success changed her, changed, uh, you know, she's in a, in a, in rarefied air at this point. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to play one more song off this album because it, it really was such a, a huge hit for people of a certain age. So again, I mentioned it and I, I, this is one of my favorite songs from the album, Money Changes Everything. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, a uh, a cover. Um, in fact, she had a couple of songs. She, I think she had a Prince song on the album as well. Uh, but uh, that was uh, a band called The Brains, uh, who actually originated that song, wrote that song in 1980. You know, so at least they got paid. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'd yeah. never heard of them. So she um, actually won Best New Artist at the Grammys that that year. Well, or, you know, I think for once the Grammys got it right. They did. De- she definitely was deserving of uh, a Best New Artist. I, I can't remember who she was going up against, but uh, she was. Oh, um, I think against Madonna. Who? Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, yeah. I guess those okay. two kind of came up about the same time. Yeah, they did. There was a kind of rivalry that Cindy didn't participate in, but that was set up for them, I think, over the years, you know, that they that they were somehow pitted against each other. But Cindy wasn't having any of that. She just wanted to one foot in front of the other and do what she wanted to do and not compete with anybody. Well, Madonna certainly went and yep. did what she yeah, wanted to it do. Worked for so. both of them. Well, good for them. You know, they didn't really get into the muck or the mud. And yeah, we've seen some starlets do that sort of thing over mm-hmm. the years. But uh, yeah, I don't remember any sort of like a specific rivalry between mm-hmm. those two, uh, other than apparently a yeah. Grammy Award. Yeah, Madonna <laughs> yeah, won I plenty think she later did. on. So. <laughs> yeah. So all right, but then and then another really significant event occurs is uh, she's on uh, We Are the yeah, World. Yeah, she right? got called in to or asked to be in the We Are the World recording and video. Actually, it's actually just coming from another performance right on her way to do that shoot. And uh, she didn't have time to wash her hair, which she had spray painted bright yellow and orange and still had she's so unusual flakes of paint you know dripping out of her hair uh, and you know felt like she didn't have a chance to get herself together but she said she actually got a good part in the song whereas other yeah. people were kind of relegated to the chorus um there was oh, I, yeah she got a, a solo yeah, she thing got a i think line. 
uh, which yeah. she was happy with. Um, but she was asked at, at some point during the recording, Quincy Jones, who was producing it, kept hearing this odd sound uh, and, you know, kept saying, I saw the video of it. And he keeps, go- keeps going, Where, where's that coming from? Where's that jingling sound coming from? And it was it was Cindy's oh, bracelets. bracelets. She was she had about 100 bracelets on oh, her arms yes. yeah. and he she was ordered to take them all off so that it wouldn't oh, interfere well. with the recording. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, Quincy's the master. So That's you got to right. follow. You got to do what he says. Yeah. A lot of people on that song. I mean, uh, as we know, you know, that was a huge moment in rock and roll uh, went on to uh, to do Live Aid. I don't think she was part of the Live Aid concerts in London mm-hmm. and she Philadelphia. No. But let's play a little of We Are the World. Well, there's that voice. You can see why uh, Quincy threw her out front, huh? Yeah. Yeah. She's, she adds some variety, I think. You uh, know? Yeah, picked it up a notch. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's uh, in between Huey Lewis and Kim Carnes. Uh, so, you know, I went away from Michael Jackson. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, she takes it to another level. That's nice. I think, you know, she was wondering in the book, like, why she got to get, you know, a front row kind of line when all these other great female musicians musicians were relegated to the back but that's uh that was their choice yeah, they, yeah. she was just uh, pulled out and said here you know she she just happened to be the you know the hit of the moment that's sort of right. thing and yeah. uh, you know they were trying to you know capitalize on that and uh, of course you know trying to get as much uh, money as possible for, yeah. for the cause and then and then the next defining moment of her career was goonies <laughs> <laughs> wow okay <laughs> i don't know if that is uh moving up in the world or i don't know i don't i think it's going down so you're not gonna well, make me play that song are no you? but but it's if interesting because spielberg actually wanted her to do the soundtrack um for the for that movie and she went to meet him in Hollywood and said, you know, even his office was so sexist, she couldn't believe it. I mean, the kinds of things that people were just talking about and the language that they used. And then he talked about, well, we're going to put you in front of a green screen and have an old movie behind you while you're doing the soundtrack, the music video for the soundtrack. And she said, that's not very creative. <laughs> and then he saying walked the, out. Saying the right thing to the wrong person. And the, the yeah, wrong I think thing the, to the wrong person. The right. wrong thing to the right person. No, right. the right thing to the wrong person. The no, right, the wrong, no, the wrong uh, thing to the right person. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, he got up. He said, I think somebody just said I was not creative. And he got up and walked out. Oh. <laughs> and she had to do, she still did it, but she had to do it with work with somebody else. Well, damn it. Now I have to play that song. So we're <laughs> no. going to play just a little bit of it just to give everybody a flavor and remind them 
of mm. the Goonies movie. The Goonies the, are good enough. Which was originally just good enough, but she had to change the title to The Goonies are good enough. Welcome to Hollywood. Oh, God. rather dated mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't you can't miss that 80s uh polyphonic uh sound the uh the rhythm tracks the keyboard sounds it's very very specific so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right moving on because then she goes and makes a couple of other albums yeah that she's made quite a few pretty, albums pretty cool so yeah. and some great songs uh obviously the next album i think her second album was called the title track true colors right that's right 1986 true colors any stories about the making of that yeah well she said the song actually was a demo that ann murray turned down oh really? thank god and she uh got the song right after her very good friend uh had died of AIDS at age 27. This uh, somebody who was uh, like a member of her family, and she so she kind of brought all of that feeling into this song, kind of a prayer to feel better, and really thought about how it should be sung, kind of more internally than externally. And she really had to work herself up. Uh, down when she's performed it because the the audience and she would be all jacked up from some previous number and she would just have to kind of go into a a very internal state and kind of um, bring that bring that emotion out. And even in the recording, she said uh, she made it very spare so that the sentiment wouldn't be overpowered by the by the instrumentation of the song. Wow. All right, well, let's play a little of uh, this fantastic song. It's an awesome song, True Colors. such a that's such a beautiful song and i it really i feel like there's crying. a lot that goes on with it i just feel like yeah. and her voice is so perfect for that song it really is yeah she touching. Uh, you can hear a lot of uh, of influence that she creates 
of other female artists that came after her. Oh, yeah. You can really kind of hear them trying to, you know, they, they obviously were influenced by Cyndi Lauper, you know? You know what I mean? Many of them. Yeah. 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 I mean, Nick, Nicki Minaj is one that she mentions at, at the end of the book, but you know, oh, like Lady you said, Gaga Lady Gaga mentions right. uh, uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, she she was the first. Katy Perry. There's there's plenty that uh, look to her and say, you know, here, here's where it starts. Wow, just just you know, you're right. It's a it's it's a tough song. Yeah, and it it actually became quite an anthem for the gay pride movement. Um, she she told her friend when he was dying that she was going to write a song for him, and that's not the one she wrote. She wrote one called Boy Blue, but it never yeah, caught on. Right. But um, this one was the one when she finally started singing it. She wrote realized this was the one that she was singing for him. Mm-hmm. And over time, the emails, once email started, <laughs> she started just getting huge amounts of emails from gay people telling her how much that song meant to them. So it became a real anthem for for that movement and um, something that she's obviously and you know very proud of and and began her activism in that movement because her sister is gay as well mm-hmm. and she has many many close friends who are gay so it's a very personal active you know uh, socio-political movement that she took on for herself for a reason right many reasons right yeah right all right well you know to move forward uh i know she kind of you know, she did her own thing, um, and uh, she didn't just follow the the pop sensibilities. Uh, you know, we mentioned Madonna earlier, and, you know, Madonna continues to kind of chart uh, what is new and happening uh, and uh, achieving, you know, uh, quite a bit of success. Uh, whereas Cindy kind of moves off to, to do the singer-songwriter thing. To, uh, you know, her albums maybe weren't big sellers, but they were big influencers. Uh, I know, uh, you know, she did uh, Night to Remember, Hat Full of Stars, uh, and 12 Deadly Sins. But I think that was a, wasn't that a cover album? Uh, 12 Deadly Sins was a a best hits, greatest greatest hits hits, album. Right, right. So Hat Full of Stars and Night to Remember. And I know there is one song from Night to Remember, which, you know, got uh, her back on the charts. And that was I Drove All Night. Any anecdotes about uh, that period of time? This, where her large fame, that that Beatles type of fame, is beginning to fade. Yeah, um, you know, it, basically, she says after she won the new, you know, the new artist Grammy, that was the kiss of death. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it's like, how do you follow something like that? Yeah. So you know, her her point of view is that she had trouble with her producers and her label um, in trying to make her something that she wasn't. And because they were kind of scrapping over that and there wasn't a clear vision for the record company for who she was and they were trying to make her into somebody she wasn't that was why her albums her next albums didn't do very well because they didn't promote them and they um at at the end of it when she was trying to get out of the label uh out of the contract she knew that they weren't even for uh, i believe a night to remember that they weren't even gonna promote it so, you know, it was kind of like I put my blood, sweat and tears into this and you're not doing anything for me. So right. she has a lot of feelings about that and uh, memories well, about that. A lot that. of these memoirs are, uh, you know, down on the record business. Yeah. And yeah. rightfully so. 
Yeah, I'm learning so much about that while I read these books, you know, artists that have trouble with people that are, they might know a little bit about music, but they're also business people. So they're not really looking out for what, what's the artist trying to say and what, how can we help them you know, get to their No, it's vision. exploitative and, uh, you yeah. know, a couple of, maybe a step or two above slavery. Yeah. yeah. Like sharecropping. Like sharecropping. Yeah. yeah. They uh, can never fact, get out from under. She said, everybody thought I was rolling in dough, but I wasn't. I didn't have any, you know, I had to pay this and pay the musicians and pay the label and, you know, Oh, stuff. yeah, yeah. Everybody else makes the money. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't even own the, the copyrights to your songs, you know, yeah. in most cases. The publishing usually goes to uh, somebody else. You sign that away, you know, just to get in the business. Yeah, well, she uh, actually decided not, there was a one company or label that was trying to get her to sell them, or a producer, I guess, was trying to get her to sell her music to him, and she knew that wasn't going to be good for her, so she refused. Oh, good for her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good for her, yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's play a little of I Drove All Night. Yeah, it's a nice song. I had to so great why because it was originally written for roy orbison ah sounds like a roy orbison song doesn't it? yeah i'd love to hear him sing that one too yeah i think he did do a version of it Uh uh-huh um she also that the music video for that song is really cool too she's done a lot of really cool music videos if anybody wants to check her out on youtube i mean they're very artfully done and cool i mean she looks different in all of them and there's a story being told and oh she's a she's a real performer i mean uh, she puts her heart and soul into everything she does yeah you, it's obvious it's just plain yeah plain and, and, and it's obvious that she's a visual artist as well as a musical artist yeah. you know with yeah. she uses her bot you know her clothes and her hair and her stage settings and all that stuff yeah that song is so it's a, you know music is you know it's like smells you know you it, it just you hear it or you smell it and it takes you back to yeah. a to a time yeah definitely yeah. I know what you mean yeah that's brings that's, up memories uh, yep yeah so uh, you know her her hit making I should say begins to to wane a little bit, but she's doing all kinds of things. I think she did a movie and she did you know, a couple she, movies. Yeah, and then uh, she moved into well, she becomes a gay rights uh, icon. Yeah, totally. It it started with the um, the gay games in 1994, where she was on a a float uh, doing a performance and she wanted to have a cavalcade of drag queens with her. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so they, and they were all of course, fantastically dressed up. And, um, and that was kind of what she thought was her, that remembers as being kind of her inspiration for the Broadway show Kinky Boots. But that became so, you know, so kind of important for her. And then also, you know, the fact that, like I said, her, you know, it was very personal for her to, to 
be involved in that well, a friend, issue. friend now yeah, who died and of her AIDS family. or sister uh, being gay. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in later, she, she just went on to do wonderful things for that community. And she... Yeah, the True Colors Foundation is uh, primarily uh, a charity for, for gay causes, right? That's right. And she's very involved with PFLAG, the Matthew Shepard Foundation. Yeah. And she's had a couple of tours um, in 2007 and 2008 that she calls the True Colors Tours to with a bunch of different artists like Joan Jett. B-52s, et cetera, to uh, raise money for all those causes. She got close to Wanda Sykes and Rosie O'Donnell. And, you know, she's just, uh, she, she also has a residence in Harlem called the True Colors Residence for LGBT runaways. Because mm. her friend Gregory, who died, was kicked out when he was 12 for actually, anyway, it's a big, it's a long story, but he was kicked out and, and was homeless, well, you know. Religious background, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Can't deal with uh, the their sexual uh, orientation. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, in the meantime, right after the A Night to Remember, she was in a movie and she met her current husband, David Thornton, who was who's an actor. And uh, they got married. She had ditched her her other her boyfriend slash manager, who was also a David. And uh, yeah, and they got married. They're still married. uh, Wolf, who was in uh, in the videos, right? Right. Dave Wolf was her boyfriend. They they broke up right right before A Night to Remember. And uh, and then he's he managed her for a while after that. But when she met David Thornton, uh, they got married right away because they'd both been with other people for a long time and it, you know, sputtered out. So they just decided to get married and she started trying to get pregnant. She was having some problems doing that, but you know, trying, she really wanted to be a mother. And uh, she also had a recurring part on Mad About You. I don't know if everybody remembers that. A, a lovely sitcom with uh, Paul Reiser. Yeah. And, and Helen uh, Hunt. Yeah, Helen Hunt. Right. Yeah, yeah. She was big so, in the nineties. Yeah, so she, you know, she she's flexing her muscles, getting into the different different kinds of performance. Well, uh, you know, most famously, and just because it's current, she was on Celebrity Apprentice <laughs> with with the Donald orange. Yeah, J. we won't. Trump. By the time this airs, we will know everything. But uh, at this at this recording, it is two days before election day. Yes. So uh, yeah, we're either going to be here. Fuhrer, I mean, excuse me, uh, Mr. President or Mrs. President. That's right. Uh, one of the two. Uh-huh. So uh, anyway. Uh, See, I, I wonder, I, just... I wonder, I wonder who to choose. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Hey, well, that's as much as I'm going to say. That's as much as you should say, yes. yes. But what I I believe she gets fired by Trump. She did. Uh, okay. She's, she said it was like going back to high school, though. You know, she did it for a charity. She raised money for the True Colors Fund. but. Of course. Of course, uh, of course, yeah. Most get, of the celebrities you know, you do get charity that, work. Yeah. Uh, you get sucked in when you're, I guess, on shows like that. There's total manipulation. They're setting people up to be in in situations where they get on each other's nerves and have to, you know, one up each other. Well, let's let's let her tell how the experience <laughs> okay. was. Okay, huh? I'm gonna play a clip from The Celebrity Apprentice. All right. <laughs> bye bye. Cindy, I don't want to leave like this. I'm leaving. I know. It's like high school, Brett. It's It's like high school. No, what I found personal was time management, and that was bull. And I found it really difficult. My time management sucks, and that's what we. I personally thought we. I'll see you. All right. I 
wasn't easy. No, that was a tough choice. Definitely a tough one, but you can't make tactical errors like that and make it through to the end. See, just like high school. <laughs> well, <laughs> she says is it, it really that different than the corporate environment? I don't, I I don't mean, know. I don't know. I've never, never been in the corporate environment. Well, you're lucky because <laughs> it's just like high school. Civil service is not so much like high school, but well, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It, can, it can be just like that. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, I think also in the, the last decade back in the aughts, yeah. um, she <laughs> did a, a couple of like uh, tribute cover albums. Um, yeah, uh, she, you know? she did uh, her, her last album with Epic. Is that the name of the label? Epic? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was uh, a Merry Christmas album because a Merry Christmas, have a nice life. Because she that we was her last. We ain't playing no Christmas no, music, No, that was folks. her last one on the contract she really wanted out because right, right. they weren't supporting her. Yeah. So uh, then she did an EP called Shine. It has a couple really great songs on it, I think. And then in 2003, uh, she did an album called At Last, which was... Ah, yes. Um, she wanted to show her talent as an arranger. She didn't just doesn't just see herself as a singer she she has an idea of how she wants the songs to go together what pieces she wants how she wants it to sound and she's not like musically trained as far as charts and everything but she just has this sound in her head of what she wants and she wants to try and experiment so that was kind of the idea behind this album at last mm-hmm. and she did uh, you know she sang that song which is a very famous oh, song oh everybody knows that one and yeah, uh, she she sang a song with Tony Bennett on that album, a duet. She said he wasn't that pleased with her because she she had this idea of kind of chatting in between the verses like people do in, in some of those songs, you know, kind of a call and response or a little conversational thing. And he didn't understand what she was doing. So they they didn't get along that well. But uh, it's still but, a pretty good version. Yeah. And yeah. since she didn't sing at last with Etta James, let's uh, let's have her play a little making whoopee with tony bennett another bright another june another sunny honeymoon another season another reason for making whoopee a lot of shoes a lot of rice the groom is nervous, who can blame him? He answers twice, it's really killing, but he's so willing to make whoopee. Oh, Mr. San Francisco himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's uh, okay. It's a, an unusual take on her part. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, I can see where maybe Lady Gaga was a little bit more uh, deferential to the classics that uh, Tony Bennett would appreciate. Yeah, but, possibly even Amy Winehouse. She 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 duetted with him too, yeah, didn't she? Yeah. 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 Oh, he, yeah. He'll duet duet with anybody. With well, me too. So. Oh wait. <laughs> Uh, have you Probably asked? Not. Have you no, asked? No, I could. Well, I could put out, I'll put out some feelers. I'll have my manager <laughs> yeah. put out some feelers. Have your feelers. people find his people. Yes, right, that's right. right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, she also did a blues album, right? She did. Oh, my God. It's so good. This was on her own label, so she could do anything she wanted. And she got the Memphis Session Musicians, Alan Toussaint, Charlie Musselwhite, Johnny Lang, Ann Peebles, and B.B. King on that album. 
Oh wow! So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and it's really good. I was I was surprised. I hadn't heard it before, um, but she does a good blues vocal. Oh, I yeah. can imagine. I mean, yeah. oh, come on. The girl can do anything. Yeah. She's got a voice that can, uh, you know, find the, the right tonality and uh, emotional resonance to uh, to make just about any song work for her. That's very well said. Ah. Well, then let's play a little of that. And you know what? I'm just going to play a, a favorite of mine from the album. We're going to play Crossroads. With Johnny Lang. With Johnny Lang. Yep. That's a pretty fine version. Yeah. Yeah. They're all good. I actually bought the album. I'm just playing it over and over again. Yeah, folks, we highly recommend, number one, pick up all these songs that we've played here during the show. We always want you to do that. And uh, as the rock and roll librarian said, look, she bought the entire album. It's worth it. I think so. Good, good. But I love the blues, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she she was up for uh, the best selling for the Grammy for a best blues album that year, but she lost to Pine Top Perkins, who oh, I'm yeah. sure is a Good household old Pine name. Pine Top Perkins. Yeah, well, but you know he I'm was sure like it was deserved. He was 92 or something like that, and he died five weeks after the ceremony. <laughs> so, oh, so, so she I'm lost sure she, out to the. Well, you know what? We really gotta give this guy an award yeah, before he kicks the bucket. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure she felt he deserved it too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, there's and she went on a South American tour. I must digress just a little. Yeah, yeah. And with that blues album and she was trying to uh, figure out a way to make the blues work in South America kind of more more organically for um, for them and so she she married a carnival drum corps sound uh, which they had you know had in South America because they celebrate carnival yeah. and that kind of sound of the drum corps for her performances there so I thought it was really interesting because she's really trying to kind of think of ways to to change the music up a little bit you know for depending on who the, the audience, audience was. Yeah. 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 And there's an interesting, she tells this story about being in the Argentine airport and it's actually caught on YouTube videos where she's recognized and the plane is delayed and she's made to come up to the podium and sing True Colors. And girls just want to have fun with all the crowds of people waiting for planes, taking her picture and videotaping her and and singing along and everything. So it's, it's really cute. I mean, she's very generous of doing stuff like that and kind of being close to the audience and close to her fans. So that was a, a fun thing to see. You can catch those on, on YouTube. Yeah, please, please go and t- yeah. check that out. Yeah. All right. So now look, she's, uh, you know, she's a Grammy winning recording artist. She's a WWE star. <laughs> she's uh, made movies, television, even reality television. What's left to do? Well, how about write the music and lyrics for a Broadway musical? Oh, that's right. There's that. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So in 2013, she begins uh, working a Broadway show, right? That's right. And she she loved working. I on, sound surprised because I shouldn't because I did actually see the show. Oh, cool. I saw Amy uh, Black, you know, co-host of Roadies. Oh, her. Yeah, I know yeah. her. Oh, her. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we were in London last year doing some rock and roll archaeology work, and uh, we decided, you know, we had to see a show in the West End, and we actually got tickets to see previews for Kinky Boots before it even opened. So we got to see the show before it opened. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it was yeah. great. We really yeah. loved it. Had a yeah. good time. It's a fun show. She she really liked working with RV, Harvey Fierstein. Fierstein. Yeah, yeah. She said they, um, the people that she works with on that show actually like her music and aren't trying to change her. <laughs> of course, this was in right. 2012. So this book well, was, was published in 2012. I think she's got 12. enough cred now to, yeah. uh, to not have to deal with that, I would hope. Yeah. I think she right. sounded like yeah. she was having a really good time working on it. It hadn't come to the stage yet by when she was writing this book, but she was starting to work on it and having a really great time doing that. Right. I think the show is still playing on Broadway. So if you're out there, go and uh, check out Kinky Boots. Okay. All right. So let's finish up here. Uh, Well, you know what? Let me play a song from Kinky Boots. Why not? Okay. All right. This is Rise You Up. actually raise you up but uh you know it was fun huh oh yeah it was makes you want to go see it right it does yeah do you know the story at all no i that's that's a true story oh okay yeah just for our folks out there and for your own edification there was a uh, shoe manufacturer in the north of england that fell on hard times and they needed to find new customers and uh through uh, a series of interesting events some uh, drag queens needed some shoes, <laughs> uh, well-built shoes. Of course. And a new whole customer base is found and uh, hilarity ensues. Sounds it's good. good. It's good. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Go shoes, have a good time shoes are, you know, can't do uh, any wrong with the shoes. Shoes are important. That's true. Yeah. True. True. Comfortable shoes are an important thing. Whether they're and thigh highs, whether they're thigh highs or not, they got to be good looking. And of course, they and that that is the most important thing. That's apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, all right. So, what's she up to these days? Uh, she just came out with a new album. It's called Detour. Uh huh. And actually, quite good. I bought that one too. Um, I saw her at Harley Strictly Bluegrass in yeah, October. Yeah, that was the day before I went. Yeah, you know, Saturday. We were hearing people talk about how how great that show was with her. She she was really good. I mean, you know, the woman's what sixty three or something yep. like that, yep. and she's out there dancing and putting on funny outfits and really, you know, interacting with the crowd. She came out. And and touched people's hands and you know the girls in the audience were just totally in love with her i mean when she's saying girls just want to have fun i just thought all the women were just gonna swoon oh really <laughs> and just excited and jumping up and down and singing along and just having a really good time so she was really good and you know the end of her book she says basically you know just 
do what you want to do. If you can picture yourself doing something, don't listen to anyone else who tells you you can't. And that's really the story of her life. And I find that quite reassuring and empowering. uh, Yeah, really empowering. Like even if you're, you know, getting on in years, you still have a chance to do what you want to do. And that's what I'm trying to do. So hells yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. And uh, my one of my favorite songs from that album is Funnel of Love. This is an album of kind of country classics. And Funnel of Love is really fun. And um, she, that's the one she started with, you know, opened the show with. And it was really, just really great. Well, before we play it, you highly recommend this? I do. <laughs> the book? Yeah. Yeah, I do. It was, yeah, really fun to read. And, you know, she writes like she talks. Uh, so, you know, you get a lot of... So it's all in Queensy. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, like I said before, earlier in the book, you know, yeah, that was what happened. That's fucking assholes, you <laughs> oh, know, she that got kind a of voice. thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she does. You can hear her yeah. in it. Well, I think it's fair to say we're both big fans of Cindy Lauper, and it was great talking about her today. It was. Thank you. So let's play a little of Funnel of Love. Anything else to add? Keep up the rockin'. social injustice? Oxfam America works with people in more than 90 countries to save lives, develop long-term solutions to poverty, and campaign for social change. And we do it with the help of our friends in the music world. The Beatles were Oxfam supporters back in the day. So were the Stones. And through the years, musicians and music fans have helped Oxfam push hard to work for a just world without poverty. Folks like Radiohead, Coldplay, Pearl Jam, DJ Shadow, and many, many more have encouraged their fans to join the effort. You can too. Go to OxfamAmerica.org to learn how you can help. The Rock and Roll Librarian. Produced and hosted by Christian Swain. Co-host, Shelley Sorensen. All sound design and incidental music by Jerry Danielson. All quotes performed by actors unless noted. Playlists can be found at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please purchase these great and important tracks. All songs, clips, and references can be found on our show notes. Please visit rnrap.com for more information.